1: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Alter Your Health podcast. I'm Dr. Susanna Alter and I'm so excited to dive into the second episode of our plant-based nutrition for life cycles for all the different stages of life and in the second episode we are talking about pregnancy which is a topic I'm just so excited to talk about because some of you know that I was pregnant last year. I delivered my beautiful daughter in October. And it was a really amazing journey for me to go through uh, the you know nine months of pregnancy and to be learning so much about nutrition all along the way. And now I finally feel like I am ready to talk to you all about it, about the nutritional recommendations for pregnancy how it applies to whole food plant-based eaters and part of my journey as well and so in today's episode we're going to be addressing the questions is whole food plant-based eating safe for pregnancy? How much fat, protein, and carbohydrates do we really need? Are prenatal vitamins necessary? And if so, how do you choose a high-quality product? What specific nutrients do plant-based eaters need to be more conscious of during pregnancy? And also how to get all the nutrition that you need while also navigating food aversions, cravings, morning sickness, all of that stuff. So, without further ado, let's just dive into our first question of is plant-based eating safe for pregnancy? And the quick answer is yes. Yes, when we look at the data, we see the impact of a vegan diet on pregnancy outcomes. We compare that with pregnancy outcomes of omnivorous mothers. We see that there's no difference in the rate of preterm births, nor any significant differences in the umbilical cord blood B12 levels, folate levels, um, or iron marker levels between the study groups. And, you know, this this is actually, um, you know, the, the, The population of individuals studied both groups, omnivorous and vegan. They were mostly all taking prenatal vitamins. So, you know, it makes sense that their B12 folate and iron levels were all about the same. But the biggest the the greatest news is that, you know, there are no detrimental effects shown um, in a vegan diet. And, and yeah, that makes sense, too, because uh, we know when we eat whole food plant based, this is a healthy way to live. So it should also be a healthy way to also uh, you know, carry out a, a pregnancy as well. We also see in the data that the vegans did have slightly lower just. Dis- dis- gestational weight gain about six pounds so they they gained the mothers gained about six pounds less on average than omnivorous uh, mothers did Um, and that the the vegan mothers delivered um, babies that were just slightly lower in their birth weights but only by a few hundred grams in both groups the average birth weight was right around seven pounds right there in the normal range. Um, So yeah, not major differences. And what really matters in a healthy pregnancy is that we're just making sure that regardless of where the nutrients are coming from, we are getting adequate macronutrients and micronutrients. And of course, there's so so many other factors that play into it. Um, But my point here that I'm saying is it's just It's Okay, if we get our, you know, our B12, for example, from a supplement versus from a hunk of steak, and there'll be so many other nuances that we're going to dive into in this podcast episode talking about those specific nutrients. But yeah, let's talk about kind of, you know, more specific diet patterns, low carb, high fat, low fat, restrictive diet plans, because you know, there are so many different ways of eating and a mother might be eating one specific way prior to conceiving and wonder, yeah, is this, is this still a safe way for me to eat in pregnancy? And, you know, pregnancy is really not a time to be restrictive. Um, it's, it's not a time to really, um, you know, yeah be restrictive in anyone winning which way with these macronutrients or with overall calorie intake right we need to be nourishing our bodies during this phase and so you know let's let's just talk about our calorie needs first when we're pregnant because, um, you know, there's that common saying, uh, oh, you're eating for two now. You got to eat more. Right. And the truth is that in the first trimester, calorie needs are the same as, you know, prior to pregnancy. But once we get into the second trimester, the mother does need three hundred and forty more calories. And then in the third trimester, she needs 450 more calories. And hopefully these calories are coming from good nourishing whole foods, right? For whole food plant-based eaters, hopefully it's coming from whole grains and legumes because those are going to be the best sources of not only protein and carbohydrates, but also vitamins and minerals that support healthy growth of baby. Um, So yeah, let's talk about these kind of more quote unquote extreme diet patterns that one, one might think could pose an issue with whole food plant-based eating while, uh, being pregnant because whole food plant-based eating is generally considered a low fat, low protein way of eating. Um, and as I've said before, you know, the, the kind of, um, restricted or extreme kind of uh, diet patterns aren't really recommended in pregnancy. So let's dive into this a little bit more, talking about each macronutrient, starting off with carbohydrates. Carbohydrates, our favorite macronutrient. No. I'm kidding. We love all of our macronutrients, but we certainly need carbs when we are pregnant. Um, The recommended daily allowance is actually 175 grams per day for a pregnant woman, which actually isn't really that much for a whole food plant-based eater. Usually whole food plant-based eaters are eating closer to like 300 or 400 grams if they're eating enough, right? If they're eating enough, which you'll hear me say a lot today. It's so important to eat enough, When we're pregnant or when we're not pregnant, it's important to eat enough. Um, But yes, those carbohydrates are so essential for the healthy growth of baby. And it's actually been shown that women who eat low carb diets when pregnant have higher risk of neural tube defects in their growing babies. This is in part due to the fact that whole grains are such a good source of folate, also, you know, processed. Uh, fortified grains are also a source of folate, not a great source of folate, but um, there's just a higher chance that if if a woman is eating a low-carb diet, she could have a folate deficiency and that could lead to a neural tube defect. Um, so we need our carbs is the main message here. Now let's talk about fat because whole food plant-based eating is considered a lower fat way of eating. Usually, you know, in all of our other episodes here, we talk about how whole food plant-based eating is naturally low in fat. Typically, we end up getting about 10 to 15 percent of calories coming from fat. If you know we are focusing on the carbohydrate-rich foods in the diet, and that's a way of eating that is really optimal for metabolic health for people who are wanting to reverse disease, especially metabolically related diseases. Um, but in pregnancy, it's actually recommended that women get about 20 to 35 percent of their calories coming in from fat, and you know, in my experience, my body was really wanting that extra fat, it was really craving that extra fat. And the truth is that it's so much easier for mom for the mother to get all the calories that she needs for, you know, carrying out this healthy pregnancy, if she has more fat in her diet, because we know that high fat foods are more calorically dense, too. Um, So these The fat, the fat is not only just, you know, an easier way to get the extra calories. We actually need those fatty acids for building blocks for our growing baby as well. You know, all the cells that make up our growing baby um, have a cellular membrane that's comprised of fatty acids. So we just simply need more fat when we are pregnant. Also, specifically, we want these fatty acids to be more of the unsaturated variety, right? Monounsaturated, polyunsaturated, which we get more of in our whole food plant-based diet and less of saturated fats, and definitely not trans fats, right? Um, but what's also really important is that we make sure we have enough omega-3 fatty acids coming in as well. Now, in a vegan diet, um, it's a little bit harder to get EPA and DHA. Um, we can get it from algae, but many of us aren't just eating algae, right? Many of us get dietary uh, ALA, which is the uh, like precursor to EPA, DHA. We get that through our flax and our chia. However, we don't really know the rate at which we convert ALA into EPA and DHA. We don't really know our omega-3 fatty acid status Unless we test our omega-3 index, which is a blood test, which isn't standard screening for, you know, prenatal labs. Um, So it is recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics to get a dietary source of at least 200 milligrams of DHA a day whether that's, you know, from fish for an omnivorous mom or from an algae oil supplement for a vegan mother. And so when I was pregnant, I did start supplementing with um, an algae blend of EPA DHA that had at least 200 milligrams of DHA a day because EPA is also important. EPA, well, they're both important for neurodevelopment. um, But Yes, we I liked the idea of taking a blend because um, I don't know, I just didn't like the idea of like only taking DHA. It seemed it seemed like it would be a little bit imbalanced in my body. (laughs) Um, So. Up to three grams of omega-3 fatty acids is actually safe to supplement with, Um, but um, there are studies showing that 600 milligrams decreases risk of low birth weight and preterm births. So if you're going for that, then you might actually want to take even a little bit more DHA as a supplement. We'll be talking more about those supplements below, but I just wanted to talk about those omega fatty acids while we are here talking about fat as a macronutrient and it also is important to recognize that a high-fat diet is also not recommended in pregnancy, um, like a ketogenic diet, for example. Um, ketogenic diets in pregnancy have been shown to slow organ growth, mainly brain development, brain growth. Um, also, ketogenic diets tend to be deficient in many, many nutrients. So definitely not recommended in pregnancy, um, you know, unless a mother is is therapeutically prescribed ketogenic diet for something like epilepsy and is highly monitored by her doctor. Otherwise, really not recommended. Let's talk about protein now because whole food plant-based eating is also considered a lower protein diet. But it's important to know that even though whole food plant-based eating is considered a lower protein diet, we're not deficient in protein as whole food plant-based eaters, right? We're still meeting the recommended daily allowance of point Eight grams per kilogram of body weight, if we're eating enough, right? That's key. If we're eating enough, because we know that protein and fat and carbohydrates are built into our whole plant foods. Even if we're not eating, you know, protein powders and all of these other kind of isolated high forms of uh, protein, we get plenty of protein in a whole food plant based diet. But is it enough for pregnancy? Is the question. And we see that protein needs do go up in pregnancy. On average, about 25 extra grams of protein is recommended. But let's look at the actual math and equations for what's recommended. Um, because as I said, typically we need 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight, uh, but it's the recommended daily allowance goes up to 1.1 grams per kilogram of body weight when we're pregnant. And actually more more recent research actually suggests that more protein might even be more beneficial for a healthy pregnancy. Um, what these studies show is that 1.2 grams per kilogram is recommended for early pregnancy. And so that's like, you know, um, 11 to 20 weeks pregnant, and then in later pregnancy, like 30 to 38 weeks, up to 1.5 grams per kilogram. Um, so that's quite a bit more pregnancy or quite a bit more protein. But let's actually look at some examples of this. So, for example, if a woman has a pre pregnancy weight of 130 pounds, If she were to eat 1.5 grams per kilogram, like in later pregnancy, what's recommended, this ends up being 87 grams of protein. That's not a crazy amount of protein. That's very, very easy to get with whole food plant-based eating. And oftentimes I get that much protein even when I'm not pregnant, just eating enough in a whole food plant-based diet, right? Um, Let's say, you know, a woman started at 160 pounds prior to getting pregnant. If we do that same calculation, that ends up being 108 grams of protein that's recommended for her. Um, So that's also still not a crazy amount of protein. I know my midwife recommended that I get at least, 100 grams of protein in early pregnancy. And in the third trimester, she was recommending 125 grams of protein. And, and, you know, I, at this point, wasn't doing all this research. Um, I was just listening to my midwife's recommendation, and I was still able to get up to that amount of protein with eating plants. Um, So uh, protein requirements does not exclude whole food plant-based eating from being a healthy way to eat for pregnancy is my big point here. Um, so, so far, whole food plant-based eating is doing just great in meeting all the needs for pregnancy, but let's dive into talking about the micronutrients, our vitamins and minerals that are required for healthy pregnancy. And I'm just going to go down no particular order, um, but talking, focusing mainly on the ones that require a little bit more planning and consideration around when we are eating a whole food plant-based diet, but also for women who aren't plant-based too, it, it's important. It's important no matter how we eat going into a pregnancy that we put a little bit more attention to detail in our nutritional needs, right? So, what mac, what micronutrients do we need for a healthy pregnancy? Starting off with folate. Um, folate. We hear a lot of talk about folate because it is a really important one. Uh, folate is essential for healthy neural tube development in the very, very early phases of pregnancy. Weeks three and four is when the neural tube forms. And if the mother is deficient in folate, she's at risk of, um, well, the baby is at risk of a neural tube defect from um, occurring. And so this is why folate is in every prenatal, um, usually at the amount of at least 400 micrograms. And it's generally recommended for women that when they're trying to conceive, they just start their prenatal right away to make sure, or they start their prenatal while they're trying to conceive before they're pregnant um, to make sure that their folate levels are adequate. Uh, When pregnant, you might actually even want to increase folate to 600 micrograms a day, and many prenatal vitamins have that amount as well. Um, Folic acid versus methylfolate, um, both increase plasma concentrations of folate, which is good. Um, But what's interesting about methylfolate is that um, it's an insurance policy for women who don't know whether they have an MTHFR defect or if they do know they have an MTHFR defect, methylfolate, um, is just, it's, it's a, it's a more, um. It's a, it's an insurance policy that makes sure that you're getting the activated form of folate because for women who do have an MTHFR variant, they're not able to convert folic acid into the active methylfolate. And it's been shown that women who do have an MTHFR variant have a are at higher risk of their babies having a neural tube defect. Um, so folate, very important one. We actually get an abundance of folate in our whole food plant-based diet. So hypothetically, it's like really not a concern if you're eating plenty of whole grains, plenty of leafy greens. I know I, I wasn't taking a prenatal before I got pregnant. And um, in, in the early phases of my pregnancy, I actually wasn't taking a prenatal because I was kind of coming at it from this mindset, um, which now, you know, I look back on and I would I would do my second pregnancy different. But in my first pregnancy, I was like, oh, I can get it all at least in the early pregnancy phase, I was like, I can get I can get everything I need from food. And while that is somewhat true, um, reality hits and I'll talk about, you know, the morning sickness and the food aversions and all the obstacles that got in the way of this ideal ver- vision I had of, of, you know, getting everything I needed from food except for B12 and vitamin D. Um, so anyway, my phone, <laughs> I'm going on such a big tangent right now. My big point is that, supplementing with folate is a good insurance policy to make sure um, that you're not deficient and to decrease the risk of a neural tube defect. Okay, vitamin B12, very important for whole food plant-based eaters because we don't have a great dietary source in our diet at all. Um, You know, like nutritional yeast, fortified foods, aren't really a reliable source. And we're not really eating fortified foods that much in the whole food plant-based version of a plant-based diet anyway, right? Deficiency in B12 can also contribute to neural tube defects. Um, Women who began pregnancy with vitamin B12 levels lower than 250 were at higher risks of neural tube defects. Um, So vegan moms definitely need to supplement with 250 micrograms a day is what's recommended. That's more than what you'll find in a prenatal vitamin. So, um, you know, on top of prenatal vitamins, whole food whole food plant-based eating mothers, um, it's recommended to supplement with B12. Vitamin D is very important for the bone density of the fetus. And so it is recommended now, the, the recommended... Um, daily intake for a pregnant woman is 600 IU per day. Um, and that's generally what you'll find in a prenatal vitamin. However, um, if the mother has vitamin D deficiency, she's going to also want to supplement a little bit extra. And the range that's been studied as being safe for vitamin D sec- supplementation in pregnancy is one to 2000 IU a day. Um, So that's something to definitely uh, look into, as we talked about last week, a good good test to look into when you're in the preconception phase. Okay, moving on to iron, which is such a big topic because. Oh, man, the crazy statistic that in the third trimester, nearly 30% of pregnant women are iron deficient. And this is because the demand on iron is enormous when we're pregnant because we are producing so much extra blood. Um, So it's actually normal for a woman's hemoglobin levels to dip down in the second trimester when all this extra blood production is happening and then to kind of normalize again in the third trimester. But what happens a lot of times is that, um, you know, that that hemoglobin will just go down, stay down, stay lower in third trimester. And that definitely has its consequences. Um, It can lead, it can slow down the baby's growth. It can lead to low birth weight and preterm labor. And this is why hemoglobin is tested for all throughout pregnancy. So for most women, regardless of diet, well, I won't say most women, but a lot of women, regardless of diet, whether they're, they're vegan or not, or plant-based or not, will end up needing to supplement with iron if they find that their hemoglobin levels are low in pregnancy. Um, You know, there's a whole argument that, uh, you know, non-heme iron versus heme iron, that non-heme iron is less absorbable. Um, You know, we, we have other episodes where we talk about iron in depth, Um, but, you know, I'll just share. uh, This is where I'll plug in my own personal experience here. Um, I ended up having low hemoglobin in my second trimester. And when I started supplementing with iron, I felt so much better. Um, All of a lot of my weird food aversions and cravings minimized when I brought iron supplementation in. Um, So, you know, it's, it's not a bad idea for vegan moms to actually just kind of be proactive to make sure that they are getting enough Uh, iron every day, even if that's from a supplement, the recommended daily allowance is uh, 27 milligrams of iron for a pregnant woman. And if a woman is trying to get all of that from food and from plants, it's actually recommended that they strive for 48 milligrams of iron from plants because non-heme iron is considered to be less absorbable. So things to consider for when you are, uh, you know, wanting to make sure you've got replete iron levels. Iodine is another nutrient that we need to consider because it is so important for the neurodevelopment of the fetus. And the iodine requirements go from 150 micrograms up to 220 when we're pregnant. Now, iodine is one of those minerals that's kind of, you know, inconsistent in our vegetables and even in our sea vegetables. Sea vegetables are a great source of iodine, but... We don't actually ever really know exactly how much iodine is in the dulce that we're taking or in, you know, the wakame or the kelp that we're taking. And there's a chance that we could either get too low or too much. And in pregnancy, you know, my perspective was that like it's it's good to be a little bit more exact because it's like I'm not just talking about my own health now. Right. I'm considering the health of my growing baby who's totally, their health is dependent on me and my choices. And so with iodine, because too little or too much can harm the fetus and you know, too too much, we're talking about very high levels, right? But supplementation can definitely provide more exact amount of iodine that you know is coming in. Um, and so this is why prenatals do include iodine, um, usually they, a good prenatal will have at least 150 micrograms of iodine or maybe a little bit closer to 220. Um, so yes, hypothetically, yes, you could still totally get your iodine from seaweed and not need a prenatal. Um, however, for me, once again, I just rest assured with my prenatal, okay, I'm getting the iodine I need with this supplement. And that was something that I valued in my pregnancy. Okay, moving on to choline, choline. There's a lot of newer research showing that choline is really, really important also for the neurodevelopment of the babies. And that's why a lot of prenatals now have, um, you know, a substantial amount of choline, not not the recommended daily allowance, but, you know, uh, somewhere between like 100 and 200 milligrams in a prenatal. The recommended daily allowance is 450 milligrams a day. And the majority of women aren't meeting that, the statistics statistics show. Um, Choline isn't really a nutrient that many people think about, right? Um, Choline is really rich in eggs. So in a whole food plant-based diet, we're not eating eggs. But that doesn't mean that we can't get good choline from our plant foods. It's also really high in shiitake mushrooms, soy, wheat germ, cruciferous veggies, almonds, lima beans, red potatoes, uh, kidney beans, quinoa. And um, I actually did just a little retrospective analysis. I looked at some of my eating days in chronometer that I logged when I was pregnant. And there are some days where I was getting right about 400 milligrams from just food of choline. So it's certainly possible to get all the choline that we need when we're pregnant um, from food. And, you know, without going on another huge tangent, choline is certainly a debated uh, nutrient, whether it's actually so necessary and good for us or whether it can actually also promote like pro-inflammatory and pro-cancer pathways in the body. But because the evidence is so beneficial in the context of pregnancy and neurodevelopment of the fetus, I think it's a good idea to find a prenatal that does have some choline in it as well. Um, Okay, so moving on to some of our other nutrients, selenium, zinc, and vitamin A are also all nutrients that we need a little bit more of when we're pregnant. Um, These, you know, I'll just highlight selenium. Selenium we know is really rich in Brazil nuts. It's also high in chia seeds and um, whole grains as well. Um, It's usually included in a good high quality prenatal. Um, While it's easy to get in a whole food plant based diet from food, some people won't get it if they're not conscious about eating, you know, Brazil nuts or chia seeds, or, you know, they've got some holes in their diet there. So, you know, it's worth also checking in to make sure that you're getting that selenium. Zinc goes up from 8 milligrams to 11 milligrams in pregnancy. Um, And there's an argument that actually whole food plant-based eaters or plant-based eaters should strive for 15 milligrams um, because and yeah, this is, I, there's all these recommendations that I could talk more and more and more on and go on these long tangents about. Um, but the argument is that plant based eaters eat more phytonutrients or quote unquote anti nutrients, phytates that can block the absorption of zinc. Um, but I honestly wouldn't worry about that. Most prenatal Vitamins have a good source of zinc in there as well. Plus you're getting an abundance from your diet. And then vitamin A is needed for good growth, protein synthesis, cell differentiation. Um, We don't want excessive amounts of active vitamin A, like from beef liver, for example, that can be toxic to the fetus. But we're safe if we're getting our vitamin A from plants in the form of beta carotene because our body only converts as much vitamin A as we need from beta carotene, from beta carotene. And we get so much beta carotene if we're eating a whole food plant-based diet. It's generally a nutrient we don't concern ourselves much with about getting enough because we just, we do, we we do get enough when we eat whole food plant-based. Also niacin, vitamin C, vitamin E, and chromium. Also um, the needs for those go up a little bit in pregnancy, but generally when we're eating more overall in pregnancy, we get more of all of those nutrients as well. What's interesting is that one of the minerals where the recommended daily allowance stays the same, it doesn't go up in pregnancy, is calcium. Calcium is like, well, that's such an important one for bone health. Why doesn't the daily need go up for that? And it's because our amazing, wise pregnant bodies actually increase the absorption rate of calcium when we're pregnant. So the recommended daily allowance stays at 1000 milligrams a day. Um, And yeah, we do definitely want to make sure that we are getting this much. I mean, if you've listened to some of our previous podcast episodes, you've heard us talk about how there's potential that the dairy industry lobbyists have influenced uh, the USDA's recommendations around calcium being so high. For example, if you look at World Health Organization, the recommendation is 500 milligrams, and in Europe, recommendation is 700 milligrams. So why in the U.S. do we need 1,000 milligrams of calcium? However, you know, I, for me, as a pregnant whole food plant based mom, was happy with striving to get that 1,000 milligrams because of this interesting information that every day uh, we share 50 to 300 milligrams of calcium to our growing, developing baby for their fetal skeleton. So, you know, I just thought of it as I'm getting enough calcium for me. And for my baby to keep my bones strong, because if we don't get enough calcium as the mother, then we will start leaching calcium or, you know, we'll we'll free up calcium from our bone stores so that we can make sure our baby's bones are strong. A lot of prenatal vitamins don't have calcium. Um, So if if a mother is not getting not able to get enough in her diet from food, she might also want to consider a calcium supplement. So, then this leads us to our big question Is a prenatal vitamin necessary in pregnancy? And, you know, hypothetically, you could get all the nutrition you need from a whole food plant based diet, except for vitamin D and B12, if you are super conscientious. And, you know, I would suggest if you're going that way that you do some tracking of your nutrition because. Um, you know, there, there are some risks if you have, if you develop any nutritional deficiencies. And for me, where I, When I realized the reality of, wow, prenatal would be really helpful, <laughs> was when I got so nauseous in the first trimester and had crazy food aversions and all of a sudden could not eat all the foods that I envisioned myself eating during pregnancy. And I realized, OK, wow, having a prenatal to cover all the nutritional bases, to fill in all the gaps that I'm not able to get by eating my whole plant foods is so valuable and so important. And so now, you know, I'm, I'm definitely in the camp of prenatal vitamins. Um, and so what do you want to look for when you are shopping for a, a prenatal vitamin? Good prenatal vitamins are going to have the following. They're going to have at least 400 micrograms of folate. They're going to have 150 to 220 micrograms of iodine. They're going to have 18 to 27 micrograms of iron. Going to have about 30 micrograms of selenium, um, 600 IUs of vitamin D, and at least five milligrams of zinc. So This is, you know, kind of your checklist for finding a good quality prenatal. Also, ideally, you know, all of these nutrients are derived from whole plant foods, and there are some great plant-based prenatal vitamins out there. Um, I, just to put it out there, I did um, Innate Health Baby and Me um, prenatal vitamin that was my favorite. But on top of this prenatal vitamin, what's important for plant-based mothers to also supplement with is B12. You want to get 250 micrograms at least every day. And also because the research is so favorable for DHA, it's also suggested that that if you're not getting dha from your diet which we don't we don't have a good source of that in the plant-based diet that you're getting at least 200 milligrams of dha from an algae oil. Also, other optional um, supplements or supplements that you might find later on are going to be really beneficial to support a healthy pregnancy would be iron. Iron. Remember, there's usually about 18 milligrams in a prenatal. Um, you don't want to exceed 50 milligrams a day from a supplement, um, but you might find that you feel better or that it's a necessity um, for you to... Oh, I should I should say you don't want to exceed 50 milligrams unless... Um, you're being treated for iron deficiency, right? Um, But um, yes, as I've said before, iron might be one of those things that the mother has to supplement with. Um, But if you want to be proactive and actually for my next pregnancy, if we're so blessed, um, I will just go ahead and start supplementing with extra iron from the get-go because I found that it really, as I said, it really helped to diminish actually the nausea that I felt. Um, So, that's my personal plan. Um, and and then the other one to consider is also calcium. If, if it's really hard for the mother to get enough calcium in their diet with plant based eating, I found that calcium was one of the harder minerals for me to get, but it's mainly because Um, I don't eat soy personally, soy doesn't agree with my body very well. And soy is one of the best calcium rich plants in the plant based diet. Also, white beans are very calcium rich. Um, So what I'm going to do for my next pregnancy is focus a lot more on white beans. Um, But also our leafy greens are abundant in calcium. And there's many other foods like figs, dried fruit are a good source. Um, And then there's, of course, the option to drink like a fortified plant milk, fortified pea milk, which I was doing for a while, actually, when I was pregnant, because I just wanted to make sure I was getting enough calcium. But after conversations with Ben, the downside is that there's not a good, clean, organic, uh, fortified pea protein Uh, Or pea milk. Sorry, pea plant milk is what I'm talking about, not protein. Um, A pea-based milk, like there's Ripple milk. If maybe you've heard of it, which has you know fortified is fortified with calcium. It's not it's not ideal for us whole food plant based eaters. But here's the thing. This was my biggest lesson while being pregnant. We might have our ideals. We might have this vision of what you know the perfect plant based pregnancy is going to look like. But, you know, when we're in it, we might have symptoms, we might have nausea, we might not be able to eat that smoothie that we want to, we might not be able to eat the beans that we want to, it might just be the most disgusting thing in the world. And for me, I I just have to say, I went from enjoying a smoothie for breakfast every single day for like seven years, to not being able to even tolerate looking at a smoothie. It just grossed me out so much for my entire pregnancy. And so, you know, it's just, we have to be flexible and adjust our expectations and be gentle with ourselves. Um, Because like I said, pregnancy is not a time for restriction. It's also not a time to be hard on ourselves. It's not a time to try to be a perfectionist. It's it's really a time to just tap into that self-nourishment and that self Love and that self-compassion and bringing out all these qualities that, you know, we're also going to eventually be imparting towards our beautiful baby at the end of this, right? That compassion, that gentleness, that love, that tenderness, we can give that to ourselves when we're pregnant, right? All right, everyone. Well, I could go on and on talking so much more about more, but I realize I'm 37 minutes into this podcast episode. I was going to share more about my own personal journey too but I'm, I'm not going to, I was going to share some of my favorite foods and tips, um, for pregnancy, but we might just have to do some, we might just have to do that some other time. Cause we don't have time today, but thanks for sticking with me for this longer episode. And we'll see you next week. We're talking about lactation nutrition for breastfeeding. I'm so excited. Okay. We'll see you there.